The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. That's right. I wanted to figure out if we were going to go with Episode 52, 53. No, no, we're going to go a brand new season, start the countdown, back at 1. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie. Alongside me, I have Chris Holling tonight. Unfortunately, both Brandon Clements and David Hellman are under the weather, so we put them on short-term IR in this scenario, uh, and hopefully they will be back next week with us, Chris, but uh, you can follow us on Twitter at at Brandon is right. That is W-R-I-T-E and at Chris Holling underscore. Uh, Chris, the regular season is finally here. We're ready to talk football. Of course, you know, when we record normally during the regular season, we're going to be probably recapping a lot of the Cowboys games uh, throughout the year, but in this scenario, we get to preview it. Um, my anxiety between now and Sunday is at an all-time high, but the fact we get football on Thursday night with the Chiefs and Lions can kind of temper that a little bit, uh, but it's exciting nonetheless. Yeah, it's super exciting to finally be able to like talk about real meaningful football. You know, like the preseason's fun, um, the whole 53-man roster, um, that's all interesting and fun to debate and talk about, but now that that's done, it's time to focus on real football and start what I think is going to be one of the most memorable seasons in Cowboys history. I hope so, and all for the right reasons, right? We're not looking yes. for memorable <laughs> for anything bad. <laughs> Uh, but just a little housekeeping as we always start the podcast. Of course, you could leave a five-star rating on uh, the whatever you get your podcast platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify. Leave us a review if you want wherever you get your podcast and listen to Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. And again, the Twitter spaces, they are going to be alive and well throughout the regular season, a pre- and post-game conversation with a few of our BTB writers that you'll get to listen to. And we'll answer your questions if you tune into the Twitter spaces or X spaces or SpaceX, whatever we're going to be calling them. Uh, feel free to leave questions, comments. We love getting uh, to as many of them as possible and stimulate the conversation and give you guys a voice to something to listen to. So with that being said, uh, as we're recording this on Monday, the Cowboys did have practice on Labor Day. Of course, they're going to be off tomorrow on Tuesday when the podcast airs. But they had a little bit of an injury bug pop up during practice. Tyler Smith left practice on Monday uh, with what's reported to be a minor hamstring issue. You don't like these soft tissue issues popping up. We see what's happening in L.A. right now with Cooper Cup and how this hamstring is sort of lingering for him. So with it being so early, it's being reported that it's just minor right now. It's a little precautionary. They'll have the off day tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll hear more about it on Wednesday. But when this popped up, Chris, did this kind of perk your ears up a little bit, or you're kind of just saying, you know what, until we hear more, I'm not going to panic too soon. 
it 100% did perk my ears up a little bit just because, you know, Tyler Smith was such an important part of that offensive line success last season. And we really don't have the depth behind him. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, who's going to come in and replace him? Matt Farniak isn't on the team right now. And, you know, we just can't afford injuries. And, and, you know, that's been one thing that's been concerning about the way this offensive line looks right now is that if we get the best five out there, it's one of the better fives around the league, I believe. The problem is, is we have some injury prone players, including Tyron Smith there, and it could just take one play, one game, and then suddenly our offensive line isn't looking the strongest. So hopefully it's not a huge issue. It's just the fact that it's a hamstring injury is a little bit concerning because that seems to linger across the entire league. Whenever any player gets it, it it, uh, tends to bother them throughout the season. So hopefully it's minor and hopefully Tyler Smith can be out there week one and look at his and uh, look uh, good as normal. And the Cowboys have had a history in the past when it came to soft tissue issues. I remember back in like 2017, 2016, 2015, I remember Dwayne Harris was dealing with hamstring issues all the time. A lot of the DBs were dealing with it. Of course, the Cowboys have uh, one of the best medical staffs in the NFL, so I trust them. I trust Britt Brown to get these guys right. And again, it's still early in the week. There's no reason to push him. Maybe it was an issue where he felt some sort of tweak and said, you know, I'm not going to press. I still have the entire week to practice, and then maybe it could be a game-time decision. But you mentioned, Chris, the depth behind the Cowboys' offensive line right now. Uh, I think it's a trickle-down effect because if Tyler Smith isn't there and if something happens to Tyron Smith in the middle of the Giants game, he's supposed to be your sort of swing tackle to kick out to the outside. If he's not there, you're looking at sort of awesome Richards being that either backup guard, backup tackle, and then you have a hole to fill whether you prefer awesome Richards to be at left guard or at left tackle. Uh, maybe they call up somebody like a Brock Hoffman, you know, with the elevation, uh, one of the two elevations that they're allowed from the practice squad. But outside of that, I know they just they got somebody off of uh, or they signed somebody to their practice squad who was with, I believe, the Giants uh, beforehand. And it's just I don't know. There's not a lot of proven depth like there was maybe last year or a year before. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. There's not a lot of proven depth behind this offensive line. So. I'm just hoping that it's not as big of a deal, and I'm hoping that we can get a fully healthy offensive line coming into that game. Absolutely. And speaking of the game, we're going to actually do something a little different here. Instead of looking at it from more a heavy Cowboys perspective, we want to give you guys a little bit of insight of who are going to be taking uh, on the Cowboys on Sunday night uh, with regards to the Giants and, and their roster. Each each year, teams look a lot different, and the Giants specifically are no exception. They have a lot of new players, a lot of new faces. So we figured let's take a look at some of the players and matchups that you can get to know a few of the names and people that we want you to kind of look out for that sort of piqued our interest um, to kind of remind you and kind of reset where the Giants were last season. Uh, they finished the year 9-7-1, made it to the wild card round in the playoffs. Somehow, someway, they knocked off the Minnesota Vikings, which I think was very improbable for a lot of people when they went into that game. Uh, and then, of course, they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in sort of an unfulfilling fashion, uh, got knocked out of the divisional round. But I do think under first-year head coach Brian Dable, they looked phenomenal, a lot better than expected. Uh, and when you see where they're at right now, I just think that last year created a baseline for the Giants where if they perform above expectations, I don't think anybody would be surprised. But if they kind of take a few steps back, I think that would also not be as surprising because I do think that they kind of jumped the gun a little bit I think it was more of an evaluation year with regards to where Daniel Jones was at. He had the best season of his uh, NFL career, which earned him a new contract. Saquon Barkley was the focal point 
of the offense, and their leading receiver was Darius Slayton with 724 yards and two touchdowns. So offensively, not the absolute best, but with Wink Martindale coming in as the defensive coordinator, I think that they performed well above expectations overall offensive and defensive side of the ball. So when just kind of setting the, the stage a little bit, Chris, when you saw the Giants last year kind of make that playoff push and who they were last year, did it take you by surprise, and, and does that carry a little bit of weight heading into this season? It took me a little bit by surprise, and I think it does because I think, you know, when you have a first-year coach like uh, they did last season, I think all you can do is build off of that. And the more that he's in the locker room and the more that he's around these players, I think that they're going to improve and get better. I think that this Giants team is actually a really, really good team, and I think that if they were in, I think, really any other division in the NFC, then uh, they'd have a serious shot at fighting for that number one spot. I mean, I'm not trying to take them lightly, but I think the – the, I think the consensus is that uh, the uh, that the NFC East is going to be a battle between the Cowboys and the Eagles. But, you know, the Giants are a really, really good team, and they added a lot of talent this offseason, I think, to really make that next step. I think that they added a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball to really give Daniel Jones some more weapons. And I think those names we're, um, we're going to talk about in a little bit. But, yeah, I think that this Giants team uh, is definitely a dangerous team, and I think that they can – um, kind of take some uh, teams by surprise this year. So I think that they could look to have around this the like same record, if not maybe one or two games better this upcoming season than they had last season. And it's another year where the Cowboys start their season off by playing the Giants. And I remember a few, uh, actually many more years ago, but I remember it was the Kevin Ogletree game uh, where he went off against the Giants right after they went on that Super Bowl run. Uh, and it was their home opener. So if it's going to be a home opener at the Meadowlands, it can get pretty loud, especially with the expectations if the fan base feels that the Giants are a playoff contender, that they could compete for a Super Bowl run, if that's how the fan base feels. It, it could get loud at the Meadowlands and at MetLife Stadium. So I think that with that atmosphere in mind, the Giants can kind of come out uh, with you know full, fully uh, showing everything that they have on offense and defense, and it wouldn't surprise me too much because I think that they also want to show, like you said, that they're not third string uh, in the NFC East, that they want to belong at that one and two spot and not just kind of put it up to chalk with the Cowboys and the Eagles. So with that said, Chris, who's your first guy that you want to talk about? We'll run through a few names here and then wrap up, but what's one name of a player that stands out to you? Yeah, one name of a player who stands out to me actually hasn't even taken a regular season snap with the Giants yet, and that's wide receiver Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. He's a guy who I actually really wanted the Cowboys to take in that second round over Luke Schoonmaker. I think that he would have provided a lot of speed and a deep threat ability. However, you know, now we're going to be having to go up against him twice a year, and I think that he provides something that kind of was was um, a kind of a weakness for the Cowboys this uh, past season. I think when uh, you look at the way the coverage looked last season, the Cowboys seemed to get beat deep sometimes when they did get beat deep. And it was uh, by speed. Um, I, you saw the breakout game in Green Bay with Christian Watson. That was kind of his uh, big breakthrough in the NFL. And he used that speed to kind of beat us over the top. That's what Jalen Hyatt is. You know, coming into the NFL, he was kind of viewed by scouts as being a one-trick pony, being a guy who can run a go-route and just burn the defense, and his route tree wasn't that phenomenal. But, I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, if you're going to be really, really good at something, that's really, really, you know, important to be good at in the NFL. You know, at Tennessee, uh, his last season, he had 1,200 yards and 15 uh, – um, he had 15 receiving touchdowns. I think he adds something to that Giants wide receiver core that uh, they've been missing. I think that he adds some speed, and I think it's really going to be able to stretch the field out and kind of open up some more some uh, more opportunities for Saquon Barkley and even Darren Waller. So 
I think that that's a guy to keep our eye on. And I'm hoping that, you know, us getting Stephon Gilmore on the other side of Trayvon Diggs can um, kind of limit that big playability that uh, we gave up last season. Yeah, I do think Hyatt is, is a name to definitely watch because it, it seemingly whenever this week one matchup rolls around, it seems like there's one or two guys, whether it's the Cowboys or the Giants, that gets a lot of hype throughout the offseason and people are trying to figure out, OK, are they going to be a focal point of the offense? And then immediately they're featured right off the bat. And I could definitely see a scenario where, like, first play of the game, they take a big shot down to Jalen Hyatt to sort of set the tone if they get the ball to start. And the one thing you mentioned about Hyatt is that when he was in college at Tennessee, people were criticizing him because that Tennessee offense is very similar to what Baylor used to run, uh, and it doesn't really translate to the NFL. And so I think for him, he's trying to prove a lot of people wrong. I remember there was the video that was going around during the the NFL draft prep where it was actual uh, Cowboys wide receiver coach Robert Prince was coaching him up at his pro day and kind of telling him, hey, like you can only do this. You can only do that. And Jalen Hyatt was basically telling him, like, no, I can be better than this. He said a a few different things, but, you know, you can go check out the video on on Twitter. But that to me really stood out where, okay, I'm sure for him, he's circling this game because if he knew that the Cowboys wide receiver coach was sort of kind of making him feel a little bit more underappreciated, he might try and prove something to show that the Cowboys kind of missed on him. And if he wanted to go to Dallas for whatever reason, uh, kind of like almost be like a little bit of a revenge game. So I think Hyatt is a, a great name to watch. And you mentioned that big playability. The Giants haven't had that in I don't know how long. I know Darius Slayton is a guy who's always been sort of that burner for them. But uh, Jalen Hyatt looked really good in the preseason. I know he had that really good 34-yard touchdown where it looked like he just got right past the safety and the defender uh, and was actually holding up a little bit on his speed. It seemed like he kind of had that extra gear. Uh, So for you, with what you've seen so far from Hyatt, I I know he changed the number to Odell Beckham's old number 13, and and people are saying, oh, it's going to be another Odell Beckham lookalike. But, you know, what does he bring to the game that can kind of give uh, someone like Trayvon Diggs a little bit of trouble? Well, I think just his ability to just beat you deep. I mean, I mean, Trayvon's been known to kind of take chances in coverage and kind of and uh, kind of take those risks. And, you know, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. I mean, I mean, you know, when you have a player who takes risks like that, you know, it's going to pay off and it's going to it's definitely going to lead to interceptions. But it also leads to situations where you do get beats. And I think that that's where Jalen Hyatt can provide some sort of a problem for the Cowboys. And, you know, I'm not going to go as far and compare him to Odell Beckham, but him changing that number to 13, you know, I don't know if, I mean, it seems like Odell was really the last receiver in New York that was really dynamic and gave, you know, opposing defenses uh, trouble. If they can add a weapon like that, just someone who can kind of take the eyes off of Saquon because it feels like a lot of defense is really just key in on Saquon and they really just want to force Daniel Jones to make those and beat them that way. And now the Giants finally have someone who um, who can maybe beat you deep. I think that that's definitely something to keep an eye on. So I think that he could give Trayvon Dix some trouble on a deep ball. But, you know, Trayvon has also looked better uh, this uh, past season at not giving up those big plays. You know, he's kind of toned down his uh, – his uh, gambling and coverage a little bit. So, you know, so I think that we're going to have a good answer for him, but it does provide a unique problem that we haven't really seen from the New York Giants in uh, quite a long time. I saw somebody brought up uh, earlier this week that the last time the Cowboys played the Giants on Sunday Night Football uh, with a rookie who donned the number 13 at MetLife Stadium. There's a lot of ifs going on in that scenario, but that's when, of course, Odo Beckham had his uh, most prominent, famous moment as a pro where he had the catch over Brandon Carr and everything in the end zone. So that, to me, will always stick in the back of my mind. The 
minute Jalen Hyatt takes the field. But mm-hmm. it sort of ties in with the first player that I want to talk about, which is, of course, Daniel Daniel Jones. It revolves around the quarterback. Um, he, Like I mentioned before, he had his best season as an NFL pro, which gave him a new four-year, $160 million contract, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think that a few years ago, a lot of Cowboys fans and Giants fans alike were thinking that he isn't the guy that they were going to bring somebody else in. But I do think he showed a lot last year with kind of operating within the Dable offense and being just a conservative sort of play caller um, or conservative uh, player in the offense. Um, He had career highs in passing yards, completion percentage, passing success rate, and he actually had uh, over 700 yards on the ground with seven touchdowns using his legs, which I think that that's an underrated part of his game, and people forget how good of an athlete he is. And for somebody who's been known to turn over the ball a lot, that com- that went completely away from his game. Uh, he had a cl- career low in interceptions and in fumbles. And, you know, just to think about it, as a rookie, he had 19 fumbles and it w- went down to uh, six. Uh, so, I mean, that's certainly a big, big difference for him. I just look at, at last year, the Giants wanted to keep it as simple as possible, wanted to kind of make sure Jones wasn't hurting himself. And I think that's why when we were bringing up Jalen Hyatt's addition, they didn't have that big playability last year. And a lot of teams were playing with a lot of safeties deep, kind of 11 yards back, 15 yards back, and just kind of forcing them to either run the ball or just throw to Isaiah Hodgins on a slant or something like that because they really didn't have that many playmakers on the outside. So with Jalen Hyatt being in the offense, does that change things for Daniel Jones? I think that when you when – you, when the Cowboys play him on Sunday, what version are we getting? Are we going to get the conservative Daniel Jones that happened to be playing last year in the Dable offense, or is it going to be sort of this big play uh, Daniel Jones? I heard this stat on the Athletic Football Show earlier today that out of 41 quarterbacks, Jones finished 40th in big-time throw rate last year. So, again, not really pushing the ball down the field. But that's why I feel like that just because Daniel Jones hasn't shown that he could throw the ball down the field and throw it deep that he doesn't have a big arm doesn't mean he can't do it and that's why like I said I think I could definitely see if the Giants get the ball uh, to start the game I could definitely see a 70 yard pass uh, or at least pressing the Cowboys deep with Jalen Hyatt just to keep him honest just to make sure that okay if you're gonna play man coverage like the Cowboys normally do okay well now you have to play a little bit more zone maybe kind of put a little bit more safety help towards Jalen Hyatt and then all of a sudden Saquon Barkley starts getting to go Um, so I think that we might see a little bit more big playability from Daniel Jones Um, and you mentioned it when we were talking about Trayvon Diggs in the matchup the double moves I think could be a big problem if that isn't corrected but again the Cowboys have some of the best safeties in the NFL with the J. Ron Curse, Malik Hooker, who just got paid, being the free safety. I think Donovan Wilson, if he is healthy, he's going to be resorted to that spy uh, sort of hybrid linebacker safety, kind of making sure Daniel Jones doesn't run. But that, to me, I think if, if Daniel Jones takes that next step this year, it's going to be with a lot of big plays. And I think him and Jalen Hyatt will have a big reason for that. It's just a matter of do we see that on Sunday or not? Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, I think that Daniel Jones certainly has the capability to to um, pull off those big plays, especially with these new additions to their offense. However, the Cowboys have not made it easy for him to pull off those big plays their last yeah. several meetings. You know, in their first matchup uh, last season, uh, Jones was sacked five times and has a and a, had a passer rating of fifty seven point nine and threw one interception, zero touchdowns, one hundred ninety six yards. Not an ideal, you know, performance from the quarterback position. And then you even look at their next game uh, that season when uh, Dak was back in November. 
Um, just um, looking at his stats as well, he only threw for 228 passing yards, only one touchdown, and he was sacked three times. So I think that's a really important factor into this game is seeing how the Cowboys can get pressure on Daniel Jones, make him feel uncomfortable, because I think when you allow him to kind of settle in that pocket, he can make better decisions. He can kind of find his guys, and, you know, Jalen Hyatt can beat you deep, but, you know, I mean, if Daniel Jones, had, I mean, if Daniel Jones doesn't have the time to sit back there and let that develop, then you know it won't matter for much. So I think that I'm excited to see how that defensive line in Dallas can get pressure on Daniel Jones, especially with how much we've seen from Micah Parsons. He's looked like a one-man wrecking crew this entire camp, and you know, I, you know, it's we've definitely been wanting to see him, but you know, I understand holding him out in preseason. They would be so unnecessary to let him get hurt, but man, you know, I just know he feels like a caged lion right now, and he's ready to get after it and. Uh, and I just proved this season that he's defensive player of the year. So I think that Daniel Jones certainly has the capabilities to kind of make those big plays. And I think he will show it throughout the season in other games. I just don't think he's going to be able to show it the way that he can against us on Sunday night, just because of how good this front seven is at getting pressure on the um, quarterback. Well, and you bring up a great point too. I Last year when the Cowboys played the Giants in week three, Demarcus Lawrence had the best game of his career going against somebody like an Evan Neal, who of course was a rookie last year. Uh, but I think that's why you saw the Giants. They drafted John Michael Schmitz, of course, uh, uh, out of Minnesota. He's their center now, starting center. They locked in Andrew Thomas to a long-term deal. And then of course, they're hoping the development of Evan Neal kind of takes that next step, just like Andrew Thomas did. And I think that they're just hoping that it doesn't happen again. And I was going to mention uh, Evan Neal as a name to kind of monitor, but there are a few names that I thought of. But, you know, Cowboys fans, and you remember, Demarcus Lawrence is still on this team, and he had his way with Evan Neal last year. So you brought up a great point where the big playability could be there, but you need to protect the quarterback in order for it to happen. And if you're going to do play action and everything, that doesn't buy the quarterback a lot of time. So I think Zaquan Barkley in pass pro, uh, the offensive line, that's going to play a big factor for the Giants in having offensive success. Uh, but who's your second player that you want to talk about? Yeah, my second player, I'm actually going to go to the defensive side of the ball. I want to talk about Dexter Lawrence. I think he's just an incredible defensive lineman in the NFL. I think he's one of the better interior defensive linemen. He had seven and a half sacks last season, which is just insane for a guy of his size and really a guy who's kind of viewed as a great run stopper. Like that's kind of his, his uh, number one thing. So then to be such a great run stopper and then also get 7.5 sacks on the interior of the line, just super impressive. You know, he's entering his fifth season with the Giants. And I think he's going to be very important because because we don't really know what we're going to see from this offensive line. You know, week one, it's going to be a new kind of rotation that we didn't have last season. You know, Tyler Smith's going to be kicked on. Um, he's going to be kicked to the inside. We're going to see how he can handle that interior blocking and see how um, and see what gaps that we can create through blocking. And also, I just think it's going to be interesting, too. I think that a good way to counter Dexter Lawrence is to just run outside a lot. You know, it seemed last year the Cowboys ran inside a lot when they didn't need to and they could have gone outside. I think the Giants are a team that you run more horizontally against and not vertically. I think you use that speed of Tony Pollard and you take him outside and and try and avoid the interior of that defensive line because that Giants interior defensive line is no joke. And I also think, you know, if you're running to the uh, right on the outside behind Zach Martin and Terrence Steele, that's going to lead to a lot of success and a lot of open holes for uh, Tony Pollard to create some space. <clears throat> yeah. So I 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Definitely believe that Dexter Lawrence is someone to keep an eye on. I think he can write games, and it's going to be interesting to see how our offensive line holds up against him. It's a great point, and something I actually didn't even think about when we were looking at the Tyler Smith conversation on how Tyler Smith was playing on the outside by that point, where he wasn't really going against somebody like a Dexter Lawrence that often, but with him kicking inside now to guard if he's healthy, it's going to be a new player that he's not used to matching up on. And the Giants, I mean, they're known to blitz and they're known to do a lot of crazy things on defense, but Tyler Smith didn't really go against somebody like a Dexter Lawrence uh, that often last year. So I think that's a great point. It kind of ties in, I'll I'll say my second player, because it really kind of goes hand-in-hand with who you're talking about. But I think Leonard Williams is the ultimate X factor for the Giants. I think that when you look at what happened last year, I mean, you mentioned Dexter Lawrence had a career season, which got him, of course, paid uh, a nice, sizable contract in the offseason. They have Kayvon Thibodeau. They have Aziz Oljolari. But you kind of forget that Leonard Leonard Williams is still on this team. He is the established veteran on the defensive line. And I just think if Tyler Smith is unhealthy or if he's playing a little banged up, that's somebody that the Giants might circle as somebody, okay, let's put Leonard Williams on him, put Dexter Lawrence on Zach Martin. This way you have almost like an old guy on a young guy and a young guy on, on an old guy. So you can kind of put a little bit more pressure on the Cowboys offensive line. And, you know, for me, it's just Williams had a down year last season. Um, you know, out of all of his time in New York, he had two and a half sacks, the lowest of his career since 2019. He missed a lot of time due to injury. Um, he only played 12 games last year. And I think for for me, it's like for a guy who's known for getting pressure on the quarterback, he had just 12 quarterback hits, the lowest rate of his entire career. So I don't think he was fully healthy last year. I think he was playing very banged up and, and kudos to him for kind of muscling it out. But I just think, what are, what version of Leonard Williams are we going to get? Is it going to be his dominant form? Because, I mean, he's getting paid $18 million. I saw this study. He's getting paid $18 million, which, uh, with because he's considered a defensive tackle, but he also wants to be paid like a defensive end. So, again, it's all defensive tackles in the NFL. He's behind Chris Jones in base salary this year. But for defensive ends, he's number one ahead of someone like a Nick Bosa, a Brian Burns, who will eventually get paid but even uh, ahead of somebody like a Max Crosby. So when I see the production that he had last year and I see the, the number that he's getting paid, a lot of Giants fans and conversations around the team this offseason were thinking, well, is he going to be released? Is he going to be traded? It's certainly a high number for them to carry throughout the year, but by all in- indications, it seems like they're going to carry him through. Um, so what version are you going to get? And I remember a few years ago, you know, Leonard Williams had a great career game against the Cowboys in 2020 where he had three sacks against uh, Andy Dalton and the Cowboys to end the year. And that was the last time he had a multi-sack game uh, since, you know, that time. So I look at that and we've seen him at his best. We've seen him not play as well. Uh, PFF graded him out as giving him his best pass rush grade of his career last year. So I think there's still a lot to be desired with him. Um, I think he's always been a player that has a very high floor where he's just Mr. Consistent across the board. I think he does everything well with regards to pass rush, run stuffing, uh, defending the run. Um, But it's just what version are we going to get? And that's why I'm putting him as an X factor. And if he's really good against uh, the Cowboys pairing up with someone like a, uh, a Dexter Lawrence, 
I think it could be a really rough day for someone like a Tony Pollard, too, who's going to try and establish himself as the number one back. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I think Leonard Williams definitely poses a threat when he's at his best. But, you know, I mean, like even you talk about it last season, two and a half sacks isn't going to do it if you're getting paid $18 million a year. And, you know, rightful criticism is going to come with that. But I think, you know, he knows that he has to have a bounce back season if he wants to stay with that team and he wants to carry that number. So I think that 100% you're going to be looking at a motivated Leonard Williams. You're going to be looking at a guy who's going to want to bounce back and have a good season. So I think, you know, like I 100% agree with you that he's somebody who really could wreck the game. Fortunately, I kind of like where he's lined up as opposed to our offensive line. You know, I think that right side will be taking care of him a lot. You know, having Zach Martin and Terrence Steele kind of double up on him. So then that does, you know, kind of go back to my whole thing of Dexter Lawrence. You know, there's only so many people who you can kind of, you know, block and, 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 and uh, pay attention to on that opposing defensive line. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see. But if the Cowboys can win in the trenches, if they can win at that line of scrimmage and kind of hold their own and kind of create their own blocks, I think that the sky's the limit on Sunday night for what this offense can do. And especially when it comes to protecting Dak Prescott, I think that's going to be really, really important. You know, we don't want him to get hit really at all. You know, we want to give him enough time to kind of let his receivers create open routes and kind of, you know, I'd really like to see the deep ball of Brandon Cooks. You know, the Cowboys added a guy kind of like, you know, what the Giants did with Jalen Hyatt. They added a guy who can take the top off of a defense if, you know, the offensive line can hold up long enough. Brandon Cooks, I think, could be in line for a big deep ball on Sunday night. So I'm excited for that as well. So it's really going to be a battle of a good offensive line versus a really good defensive line as well. And I think it could end up being a huge factor in who wins the game. And I think another thing to play in the Cowboys' favor is that you mentioned the consistency, uh, the consistency across the offensive line where these guys were training together all offseason. Of course, Zach Martin was in and out because of him holding out for a new contract. But left to right, it was pretty much consistent throughout training camp and practice. We know Terrence Steele was, is coming back from his injury. By all accounts, he is ready to go week one. And, of course, he just got paid his, his large contract. So awesome to see that. But the Cowboys had consistency with regards to you know Tyron Smith being at left tackle, Tyler Smith getting working at left guard, Tyler Biotish. And Mike McCarthy talked today about how, you know, when they're practicing on a Monday or maybe to start the week, they're kind of taking a look at the game film from, you know, the previous week when they're facing this opponent. But this is week one, so they don't really have much to go off of. But the fact that it's a common opponent with a divisional matchup, I think the Cowboys know who they're facing in the New York Giants. And if they're keeping the exact same defensive line, you can kind of figure out, okay, like we've faced them twice last year. Of course, Leonard Williams wasn't in the first game when the Cowboys played, but in the second, it's all the same guys across the board. Of course, Tyron Smith, not including him, but everybody else is pretty much the same. So I think that the Cowboys have a pretty solid idea of who they're going up against. It's it's just a matter, like I said, I I think that with the matchups we're talking about with Lawrence and uh, Williams, if Tyler Smith is not on the field, I think that that makes things a lot more difficult. But if he's healthy, I have confidence, like you're saying, that just being a really good matchup, and I, in my opinion, would favor the Cowboys just a little bit more because of what we've seen, the consistency, and them having just the best five across the board. I agree 100%. I think that uh, the Cowboys' offensive line would have the advantage if they're fully healthy. But I think that that's why I'm going to be constantly refreshing my uh, X, I guess you call it, uh, <laughs> um, over the next couple of days to make sure that it's good news and uh, positive vibes from Tyler Smith because we can't afford these injury scares so close to week one. You know, all is good. You know, we're getting close to some real football. It's so exciting. The last thing we need is something that's just going to – you know, just hurt our feelings like that. So, you know, hopefully it's, I mean, hopefully it's good news. Yeah. And 
so with that said, let's go to our final guys. I'll start, and then this way we'll end with you with, with who your final guy is. I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball because I do think for the Giants, we know who the offense is. You know, Daniel Jones has been in uh, – in, Daniel Jones has been with the Giants for a long time. Saquon Barkley has been with the Giants for a long time. Darius Slayton we've seen. Of course, you mentioned Jalen Hyatt. But I want to go back to the defense with a new face that the Cowboys might not really know because he was actually in the AFC. That is Bobby Okereke. Um, I cannot remember the last time the Giants have had a decent linebacker. I know Jalen Smith was in and out last year. I know they've almost had a revolving door of either young guys that have not really developed or it's been just a bunch of old veterans at the tail end of their career and kind of just holding on for a last uh, you know, bit of their NFL careers. So I think this is the first time that the Giants have somebody of value in the middle, uh, being the middle linebacker with Bobby Okereke. Uh, he was signed during free agency this offseason to a four-year, $40 million deal, which is pretty substantial for the linebacker position, given the devaluing of what we've seen over the years with the contracts being handed out. Uh, last year, he did total 151 tackles, the most of his career with Indianapolis. He spent his entire career with the Colts up to this point. Still a young player, of course, playing alongside someone like a Darius Leonard. The Colts have always had really good linebackers. Of course, Matt Eberflus was their defensive coordinator for a while before becoming the head coach uh, in Chicago. Um, he had six tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, and five pass deflections. To me, he's sort of your traditional fast-running, uh, run-stuffing linebacker. Um, I think could be uh, posing a lot of problems for a banged-up offensive line. We mentioned Tyler Smith, you know, maybe not being 100% healthy. I think that you'll see, in addition, like Isaiah Simmons be more of that sort of coverage linebacker, maybe pass rusher. To me, Okereke was brought here to stop the run. Um, I know Okereke hasn't really shown that he's a successful blitzer, but with Wink Martindale, anything could be up in the air, given his blitz rate in the NFL is at uh, an all-time high compared to other defensive coordinators around the league. So maybe he'll add it and sort of add this new wrinkle to Bobby's game. Um, but I just look at last year, the Cowboys rushed for an average of 131.7 yards per game, which was ninth in the NFL. And against their two matchups with the Giants in week three, Dallas rushed for 176, 176 yards and one touchdown. And then on Thanksgiving, Dallas ran for 169 yards and two touchdowns. The Giants allowed an average of 141.2 on the ground, which ranked 27th in the NFL. So they were really bad in stopping the run last year. And I just think the Cowboys and the Giants were reversed with, like we mentioned, they're pretty evenly matched on the offensive and defensive line. I think when you look at the weaknesses on Dallas's defense and the Giants defense, the Dallas Cowboys know that they have Leighton Vander Esch. They know that they have Damone Clark, but where do they need help? They need help up front to stop the run. So they drafted Mozzie Smith. Well, reversely with the Giants, they realize that our defensive line could be the best in the NFL if everybody stays healthy, everybody kind of takes the next step. But where do we need help? We need help at linebacker. So that's why they brought somebody in like Bobby Okereke. And that's why when I look at the matchup, it could be a rough day for somebody like Tony Pollard. Okereke flashed during the preseason, uh, showing a lot of speed. I think, again, when guys are in a new city, a new stadium, a new vibe, uh, I think that plays a lot into outperforming their maybe ability in week one to kind of make sure people know who they are. It's Sunday night football, so you could see someone like Okereke flash a lot, and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, he could be a guy that could have maybe 12 tackles in a game, and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, so I think that for the Cowboys, they need to circle his name, make sure that if they're going to get up to the second level, that they make sure that they block him properly. Otherwise, Tony Pollard will be rough for him. Given all the success Dallas has had in the past run against the Giants, again, it's a common opponent. But when you have a lot of these new faces, it's it's good to just kind of get a little bit of a refresher to know, okay, 
that the Giants should be taken seriously at linebacker, even though it really hasn't been the case for them over the past few seasons. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I actually, you know, like it actually did kind of, you know, like make me think like when was the last time the Giants really did have an effective, you yeah. know, standing linebacker? It's been a long time. I mean, I almost think back to like John Beeson and that wasn't even like, you know, prime <laughs> I, John I was Beeson. trying to remember the name uh-huh. earlier today. I was like, I, I remember yeah. it was John. So they've had a like a revolving uh-huh. door of John's at the linebacker position. Yeah. And even yeah. Blake Martinez was OK for them for mm-hmm. a few years, but then they ended up releasing him. And then now he's trading Pokemon cards, getting a lot of trouble with that. <laughs> um, but it just uh, seems yeah. like like you said, the John Beeson thing is a great uh, name to mention because it was at the tail end of his career. It wasn't somebody that actually mm-hmm. performed really well. So, I mean, that's a great name to bring up and somebody that I forgot about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I just remembered it because, you know, his best years came with the Carolina Panthers and, you know, that's where I'm from. I'm from Carolina, but you know, I, you know, honestly, I think it is a great signing by the giants. And I understand that, you know, the, the value of the linebackers is going down in terms of price, but if you can get a guy who can kind of complete your defense, you know, I think you're hundred percent right that, that the giants, the only reason that they wouldn't be successful against the run would have to be their linebackers because they have a great run stopping defensive line. So then you got to look at it and see what's our issue, what's our problem. So I think bringing in a linebacker who can be great against the run is definitely going to be very big and impactful for them. However, I think that's, you know, I think the Cowboys do have a good way of kind of countering that. I think that they can get to that second level and, you know, you know, maybe they can, you know, run some formations where Hunter Lipke, you know, you know, a guy who not everyone was thinking was going to make the roster until that final preseason game. But he, you know, really showed what he can bring. And I think that Mike McCarthy acknowledges that he can be someone who who the Cowboys haven't had for a while. You know, you know, you know, the Cowboys haven't really featured a fullback, you know, be very impactful in the run game. But, you know, if you're looking to run and, uh, and uh, make impact blocks at that second level, put Lepke in front of Tony Pollard, you know, have him run up at, um, run up to the second level and, you know, put a body on an oak, um, uh, put a body on him and try and, you know, kind of neutralize him a little bit. It's going to be interesting because I really feel like the Cowboys and Giants have added pieces that they haven't really seen the other team have in a while. You know, I feel like every time we've matched up against the Giants, you know, we've always had, you know, a second or third cornerback who can kind of get, you know, exposed a little bit. You know, like we went out and we fixed that problem. We got Stephon Gilmore, who's one of the best man corners in the entire NFL. And then, you know, with the Giants, you know, they haven't had a linebacker. They haven't really had wide receiver threats. They haven't had a tight end threat. And they went and they addressed all those needs. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, we, we've seen, you know, kind of the same thing this past, you know, 10 meetings that the Cowboys have won 10 games in a row against the Giants. It's actually crazy to think about that, that the last time that Dak Prescott lost to the Giants, it was his rookie season in 2016. And, you know, just to put it out there, you know, Daniel Jones was a freshman at Duke when that happened. So it's just crazy. to, Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, uh, it's just crazy to think about how long that's been and how dominant the Cowboys have been in this rivalry as of late. But, you know, the Giants went out and they signed guys and they spent money on guys who can maybe change, you know, like their fate in this rivalry. So I don't think it's anyone who we should take lightly. My um, impact player on the Giants side of the ball, you know, my last player who I kind of want to focus on, this is kind of an obvious name, but I do think it's important. It's Saquon Barkley because mm. Saquon Barkley really has been, you know, like the train that keeps his offense going, you know, especially last season. He had his best season of his career last year. He had 295 carries. He had 1,312 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. He had 57 receptions. I mean, he was a guy who was really carrying the load for that offense last season. And I think the Giants are a team that, you know, they, I, I think if you let Saquon do what he wants to do and break as many tackles and kind of control the pace of that game, I think Saquon is a guy who can beat you. But 
I think the Cowboys, if they can neutralize Saquon Barkley and they can keep him from kind of having those big explosive plays and kind of keep him boxed in, then you're forcing Daniel Jones to beat you and you're forcing Daniel Jones to take, you know, uh, those deep passes and take those risks. And that should lead to more interception opportunities. So, you know, I think that the Cowboys also have a great way to kind of defend this. I think that they have a great um, a defensive system. They have linebackers who can run up and down the field, sideline to sideline. It really hurts me that um, DeMarvian Overshone did get hurt because I think he could have been a really big impactful player, you know, against a guy like Saquon using his speed and using his range to kind of cover the field behind, you know, that defensive line. But even, you know, without him, you know, I, I'm so excited with what we've seen with Damone Clark. I think that he can be a real impactful player. And, and um, Leighton Van Der Esch obviously is great against the run. And not only that, but, you know, Micah Parsons, you know, can travel all over the field. It doesn't matter if he's lined up in a three-point stance off the edge. Like, he can move around and he can catch Saquon Barkley even if he does get past that first level, which is just madness. But, you know, Saquon Barkley himself said that he thought Micah Parsons was the best player in the NFL when they asked him about his, uh, his, 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 about his uh, top 100 list. So I think a huge key is to just stop Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley is coming into this year with, you know, a chip on his shoulder. He did get franchise tagged and he really did want to deal. He ultimately compromised and took like one, one million more a year than he would have had if he would have taken the franchise tag, which is kind of a weird situation to me that, you know, like you were able to budge for that. But, you know, you know, I mean, all things considered, he's still going to be on the field week one and he's a playmaker. I think he's the most explosive player the Giants have probably on their entire roster. So if you can neutralize him, if you can keep him boxed in and just limit him from having those big 30 plus yard gains, I think that you're really forcing the Giants to kind of throw the ball. And I think that that's how you beat them, because, yes, Daniel Jones has the ability to beat you deep, but. I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to do that, especially if we're getting pressure on him and we're not so worried about the run game. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. I think everything that you mentioned about Saquon is exactly what I would have brought up. I th- I do think the chip on the shoulder thing is something that he's trying to prove that he's still a valuable running back in the NFL. We've seen all the running backs this offseason really try and fight for more money, more opportunities to get paid like they feel like that they deserve, and rightfully so. And Saquon's been a guy where – you looked at all the offseason for the Giants. It was either, well, you can sign only one between Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, or if you sign one, you have to franchise tag the other. And I think they made the right call financially where we see the depreciation of a running back's career as they get older. And Saquon Barkley has already dealt with injuries in the past. And so who is he really going to be? And I think, like you mentioned, last year he had a career season. I think this year if he's on the franchise tag, similar to Tony Pollard, I think both of them, again, it's like it's funny how both teams are very similar, like you mentioned, where behind Tony Pollard, the Cowboys don't really have a proven backup running back. And same with the Giants. I know Matt Breed is still there, but he's never really been like a great running back in the NFL. He's just been a rotational guy. So these are both players where the workload is going to be on their shoulders no matter what. And the Giants put it on Saquon Barkley last year. He showed he could handle it. I think they're going to try and limit that from being too much of an emphasis. But if the Cowboys don't have success, it probably will be because Saquon Barkley is rushing for maybe over 100 yards. And I look back at the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving when they played the Giants, and Saquon only had 39 yards on 11 carries for one touchdown, and the touchdown was something, just a short yardage one in the red zone. So if they could limit him to that, I think you can see the production. I know the Cowboys in that game, people were sort of sitting on their hands a little bit, biting their nails. It should have been a lot more of a blowout. Unfortunately, interceptions played a factor into kind of giving the Giants a little bit more of an opportunity and a chance. But I do think that's the formula. If you stop Saquon Barkley, 
We haven't seen Daniel Jones show that he can have that big playability. So if you limit that, I think that's the recipe for success with the Cowboys. Um, and I do think for Saquon, it's something where I do believe in the chip on the shoulder factor where he's trying to make sure people remember that he's a really, really great dominant running back. Uh, I know he's probably trying to get paid, whether it's with the Giants or with another team. So if you can string together a really successful season, a great opener, I think that'll make a lot of fantasy owners happy, a lot of Giants owners, uh, Giants fans happy. Um, just like you said, the formula is to stop Saquon. And I think if they could, and you know, there was another name that we were thinking about throwing out there, which is Darren Waller. And I think that that helps the Giants as well too. But I think if they can get uh, Saquon going, similar to where if the Cowboys get Tony Pollard going, I think that's going to make the difference in this game. I agree 100%. I 100% agree with you. And I think that, you know, if Saquon can be bottled up, I think that it's going to be a good result for the Cowboys. And I think we'll be a happy, um, you know, podcast group, you know, that following uh, Tuesday night. You know, I think we'll have a lot of positives to say. And, you know, I think it'll just – I think that's – it's very important too that the Cowboys can come out and win this game because they have a really tough schedule and you don't want to open up the season, you know, with a division loss, especially too considering how, how competitive this division is going to be, you know, you're going to be in a dog fight with the Eagles probably throughout the entire season. And, and you got to take every win that you can, especially those division wins. And, you know, right after this week, we got, uh, we got a familiar face that, you know, you know, brings me nightmares and brings every Cowboys fan, you know, PTSD and Aaron Rodgers. So I will say, though, you know, a little off topic. I am happy that we're playing him early in the season, though, because, you know, maybe he won't be as, you know, in the groove with that new roster. But anyway, that's a discussion for next week's podcast. But still, you know, I'm I it's so important that it's so important that the Cowboys can win this game. And, and I think bottling up Saquon will be a big factor in that. I, I could agree with you more. Mike McCarthy always talks about these divisional games are almost like two wins or two losses. And if the Cowboys can kind of win this game on Sunday night, then they already have almost like a two game lead or one and a half game lead over the Eagles that they're trying to kind of keep pace with. And then you have a two game lead over the division rival uh, New York Giants. So I think that that will be great. And then you can kind of really set the table to just start the season off on a right on the on the right foot. I did see Babe Offenberg did mention, and I completely forgot about this, that Mike McCarthy has lost every week one uh, matchup uh, during his coaching career in Dallas. So that doesn't give a lot of vote of confidence, but I think, hey, listen, everybody can change the narrative. They can change the story, and maybe it'll be a different season for the Cowboys. Um, for you, Chris, we won't talk about maybe a, a game prediction or anything like that with a final score. We'll leave that to the guys later in the week on the Blog and the Boys podcast network, and I'm sure there will be an article or two coming out with a lot of our staff predictions. So, for you, I'll ask, who's a player that you're just excited to see finally take the field again? New face, old face, what, what are you leaning uh, to somebody you just want to take a look at? I'm really excited to see Dak Prescott. And, you know, I know that that's an easy answer, but I think it's important, and I think it's going to be very important to see the Cowboys kind of, you know, take that next step on the offensive side of the ball. They weren't really dominant on offense against the Giants in either of their matchups last season. You know, they only scored 23 points in that, in that first game and then 28 in the second game. I think it's important that Dak Prescott comes out and he looks in sync, he looks in rhythm. And, you know, he didn't have any reps during the preseason. So it's, you know, I mean, it really is going to be our first time seeing him in action in, in a long time. And, you know, I know Cowboys fans are just praying that he doesn't, you know, throw any interceptions because, you know, you know, the whole media is going to be on him if he has a two interception game and it's going to be like, oh, this is the same Dak. And, you know, whether it is, whether it isn't, you know, it's just going to be important to see him come out, be in rhythm, not make mistakes. And honestly, I think it's just going to be super important 
and I believe that we are going to see a good Dak Prescott week one. I don't think we're going to see the 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns that our co-host <laughs> believes that we're going to see from him. But, you know, I, you know, we don't need that. We just need a 250-yard game, you know, two, you know, two, three passing touchdowns, no interception game, you know, just a good, solid, clean game, come in, get a win. And, uh, you know, just, you know, just prepare for the next week. So, so that's my guy who I want to see, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see Dak Prescott, see, see, you know, what all that off season work has, uh, has, uh, led to, and just see, you know, how he performs back on the, the big stage on Sunday night football. What about you, Brandon? Uh, I'm going to mention somebody you brought up earlier. I think Brandon cooks. I'm just super excited to see not only because he is one of the newest members of the team, but I just looked at today. I put out a tweet of, you know, his sort of success against the Giants in the past. He has had 17 receptions for 193 yards for two touchdowns, averaging uh, 64.3 yards per game. And I believe it was three matchups he's played them so far over his career. So he's had success against the Giants. And I do think that if he has that sort of similar stat line, let's just say 60-something yards, and CeeDee Lamb has about 80 yards, to me there's no way that the Cowboys don't put up at least – you know, 28, 30 points on the Giants because if you can attack them through the air, they're playing two rookie corners on the outside uh, to start the year. So I think that you can take advantage of them. And if they're going to decide to sort of double-team CeeDee Lamb, well, then that means that opens up a little bit more for someone like a Brandon Cooks, a Michael Gallup. And I think that that would go hand-in-hand with Dak Prescott having success too. And I think, just as I mentioned, Daniel Jones trying to set the tone with uh, Jalen Hyatt deep pass I think the Cowboys similarly to what they ha- what they did against Tampa Bay a few years ago where they took a deep shot to Amari against the Bucks to kind of set the tone even though they lost the game that to me kind of set the precedent of oh wow this is gonna be a different offense this year uh, with Amari with CD with Michael Gallup healthy and now Brandon Cooks gets to be that guy so I, I and again and another Brandon having success I know it's an IN <laughs> instead of an ON no, no, nothing. Uh, yeah, no, no problem <laughs> with that there. Uh, so, Chris, before we close out, where can people find you on Twitter? What is the Twitter handle? And again, I actually did notice, uh, speaking of Brandon Cooks, he did tweet out or uh, put on his Instagram story um, your Terrence Steele signing post. So I thought yeah. that, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that was pretty cool. You know, I didn't even know that until um, about a couple of hours before we got on here. You know, one of my followers sent it to me, and I was like, "Oh, oh, that's pretty neat." Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah. So all the you know listeners, you know, um, thanks for listening. As always, you can follow me at Chris Holling um, underscore, and you can follow and uh, you can follow me most notably on Instagram with at Dallas Cowboy Squad. You know, we're right there. We're at eighty four point nine thousand followers. <laughs> you know, so you know, so be that eighty fifth thousand follower. You know, send me proof of it, and and I'll love you forever. Yeah. So just so you know, you know, make sure to show support. Also, make sure to support Brandon. You know, he's coming out with a new uh, big thing as well that you posted about. You know, if you want to let the you know viewers know about that and kind of you know shine some light on your success, I think that that's awesome, and I'll definitely be paying attention to it and you know reading it. Um, you know, follow him at Brandon is right W R I T E. And, you know, Brandon, how about you share your big news as well? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, It's going to be a personal newsletter that I'm starting called Press Coverage, where it's not only going to be Cowboys-centric, but um, we're going to be talking about all the other 31 teams in the NFL, talking about storylines, stuff, notes and nuggets that – you know, pique my interest throughout the weekend of the football games and sort of stuff that I want to talk about. So uh, be on the lookout for that. You could certainly go to my Twitter, like Chris mentioned, at Brandon is right, W-R-I-T-E, and uh, check it out. Subscribe to the newsletter, and, uh, yeah, you'll be able to get it in your inbox every week when it comes out. So uh, it'll be exciting. I'm just – I'm happy football's finally here. I know, unfortunately, that we had two co-hosts down for the count, but appreciate Chris stepping up, and, you know, it's, it's good to kind of have it as a duo again 
again like it was uh, it's sort of an homage on the first episode to what it was last year with Jess and I. So uh, for David Hellman and Brandon Clements, who couldn't be here tonight, uh, that is Chris Halling. I am Brandon Laurie. We will talk to you guys next week after the Cowboys and Giants matchup on Sunday Night Football. And until then, always remember, go Cowboys. 